0: Hey everyone! Welcome to another episode of the Wednesday Conversation. I'm Bethany Gilbert, and I'm here with Pastor Bob Thune and Pastor Dusty White of Quorum Deo Church, and Pastor Chris Hemelman of First City Church. Every Wednesday, we sit down to talk about how the Gospel of Jesus Christ connects to the questions and issues of everyday life. And today, we're talking about building porches.
1: It's a metaphor, y'all. <laughs> oh, so you're not I'm, you're not building a porch. You're right not going right to help tell us how me that, come
2: actually. fix my porch. Do you have a porch? Yeah. I mean, I have like the front of our house is like, just like a sort of the brick and the concrete that was built. And then we have like a back patio. Okay. That needs to be restained. So yeah,
1: I don't want to do that. Sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you have a front porch, Dusty? I do. And we did make it bigger. Yeah, you do. Yeah, but you uh, do. there's a lot of concrete out there. But we f- don't spend a lot of time on front there. porch, back porch.
0: We have a, f- a front porch, but not large enough that you could like sit not on. to hang we out have a patio that <laughs> my husband patio. calls a porch. And that annoys me because I'm like,
2: it's a patio. How big does it have to yeah, be, what's it, to graduate? To what's me, a porch, to porch
0: is like a raised It has to come off the ground and be like a raised and made of wood or concrete. Yeah. But so our like patio yours. is just like pavers. It's like kind of in a circle or a half circle.
1: I'm fast. I do think there's a difference between a porch and a patio. Then if you ask me what's the difference, I don't know if I have a good answer. <laughs> they mm. feel like they're different, though. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah Alan's wrong. He's wrong.: Alan's wrong. Sorry, Alan. <laughs> wow. Um, porches they- and patios are somehow different, but patios are in the back too. Yeah. You don't have a front patio. Yeah. That's That's true. That's true. It's a front porch. (laughs) Actually, my neighbor across the street, I'm thinking, do they have a front patio or is it a front porch? It's not a porch. It's not raised. It's not connected to the house. If it's on
0: the ground, I think it's a patio. Yeah. It's a front front patio, patio, which is just weird.
1: Yeah. It's a front patio. (laughs) Eric has a front patio. (laughs) So anyway, we're building those.
2: According (laughs) to the National Association of Realtors, a patio is usually found in the backyard. It's often made from poured concrete or stone pavers. On the other hand, porches are usually attached to the front of a house and covered by a roof or awning. Oh.
1: My work. Wow, Chris. Wow. Thank you, Chris, for getting a conclusive You answer. could
0: also call it a deck. People in the Midwest would say you have a yeah. deck. Only
1: on the back, though. I don't, yes, yeah. yeah. a a yep. Yep. I don't think you can have a front deck. You can't have a front deck. I don't think you have a front deck. Front porch, back deck. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how I think about it.
2: And a deck is bigger than a patio. <laughs> <laughs> It's made
0: of wood. Speaking
1: of that, it's just a metaphor. I was going to say, this is not (laughs) what we're talking about. All of this is to try to get us to uh, a concept. So what we want to talk about here is a concept for missional engagement with non-Christians. How does the church, how do Christians uh, engage well with the world around us? And I want to talk about this metaphor of building porches. This is based on an article by Tim Keller that he wrote right before he passed away. And then a follow-up piece by James Eglinton, which uh, will be coming out. I don't know if it's out yet. I have, have access to some pre-release uh, thought here. Is this from, like
2: bootleg copy?
1: Yes, yeah, of course you do. Yes. Bootleg copy. So we, yes. we won't be posting it because you can't have it yet. But um, what James Eglinton is doing is sort of taking this idea and, and building it out. So he and Tim Keller were having like a, a long text dialogue about this concept. And when Keller passed away, there was a bunch of unformed thoughts. And so James kind of said, here's what I think Tim was getting ready to write about with regard to this. So let me just describe the idea real quick and then we'll talk about uh, how it works in, um, in society. Abraham Kuyper, writing about 120 years ago, talked about the idea of a forecourt existing um, around the church. So like, think about it like your front porch coming into your house. If the house is the church, the front porch or the forecourt is like you know preparing you to go in the house. There's probably a mat there where you wipe your shoes off, and there might be you know there might be some chairs where you can sit down or whatever. But the idea is it's preparing you to go in the home. And so Kuiper said in Christendom, in sort of classic European Christian culture, the culture itself was the was the porch that led into the church because the culture created a set of values and assumptions that sort of guided people toward the church as a fulfilling place and a central place in society. Here's how uh, James Eglinton describes it. In Kuyper's view, European culture had been one giant forecourt for centuries, Christianizing the imagination of its inhabitants day in, day out, and giving them a set of dots that the church would then connect. Why do I exist? How should I live? How should I relate to other people? These questions were teed up by the, by the culture and then the church sort of answered them. Um, Now, he points out that that doesn't mean that people were (laughs) predisposed to become Christians. He wants to be clear, hey, they needed the new birth still. Someone raised in a Christendom world still needs to be converted to faith in Jesus. It's not that just because they know some data points about the Bible or have sort of a, a more Christianized view of the world that that means anything for their personal relationship with Jesus. They still needed the new birth. But here's... What James Eglinton writes, despite this, the challenge of introducing someone not formed in a predominantly Christianized forecourt to the church is objectively more complex and difficult. So he's saying now that we don't have that front porch anymore, it's actually more difficult to introduce people to the church. There's a whole different set of assumptions people are working from. And so when you think about some of the work that Tim Keller was doing in the course of his life, It was trying to answer this question. If we don't have this front porch that's kind of a Christianized culture anymore, how do we build a new front porch? What front porch do we need to bring a post-Christian world into contact with the church? What I like about this metaphor, the reason I want us to talk about it is two things. It assumes that the church is the point. It assumes that the house is the church. And so it assumes that whatever we're talking about when it comes to evangelism, and apologetics and that kind of work that what we're trying to do is get people to actually come in contact with the church. So to go back to conversations we've had for years, Dusty, the parachurch is not enough. We we want to see people mm-hmm. enter into the church. We the still got to get there. Yeah. And the question that Tim Keller and James Eglinton were asking is, so how do we build ch- porches for a post-Christendom world? If we don't have the front porch of Christendom anymore, how do we get the people of the church close to non-Christians and non-Christians close to the church in a way that creates that sort of forecourt space where they might be prone to enter in and go, okay, I'm curious about this. I think that's an important evangelistic question. And if you just, I mean, again, we're using a metaphor of porch here, but this really is the question the church is wrestling with, right? Is when you see, when I see people who are very reactive about the loss of Christian values in society, part of the reason they're frustrated about that is because at least in that world, when I invited my neighbor to church, it didn't seem like I was weird. You know, it's like church is a normal thing to go to. I might not want to go with you, but it's not weird that you would invite me. Now they kind of think I'm weird for inviting them to church. They they would just look at me funny. And so I think a lot of people who feel reactive about the loss of a broader sense of Christianity in the culture, part of the reason is because it just makes it harder, makes it harder to connect people to church and harder to invite people to consider the gospel in a meaningful way. So how do we build porches? How do we build them and and what should they actually look like? Great. Is my question. Chris is going to look up on the National Association of <laughs> <laughs> Tell us well, what the National
2: Association Realtor says. Use
1: papers. Start
2: with some footing. Yeah. yeah. Start with some footing.
1: All right. So Tim Keller and James Eglinton had three answers to that question. Um And I think these were Keller's that then James is kind of working out for him. He said Keller's answer was hospitality, apologetics, and forgiveness. That these are three porches we can build in post-Christian world to, to sort of provide people an entrance into the church. I kind of just want to talk, I'll talk about whatever you guys want to talk about, but I'm most interested in that first one the question of hospitality. Hospitality. Yeah. yeah. Because I think that's the one that connects most both both to like our individual lives, but then also to the church as a whole. It just feels like man, Bethany can practice hospitality in our neighborhood and our church can practice hospitality. So it it has like a very micro application and a kind of a more macro application. That's great. Let's talk about hospitality. I do think the forgiveness one is intriguing to me. And I'm not surprised that it's there. It's also one of Keller's last yeah. books. Yeah. In such a hostile society, I see him arguing for if Christians can be forgiving and resolve to kind of that particular characteristic and virtue and fruit of the Spirit, then we can have some headway. Yes. Let me read you a couple lines from James Eglinton's piece here. He says, Keller's advice to aspiring porch builders was to think first about the nature of the church and only afterwards to start to work on porches. This is why the porch idea is different from forms of scattergun evangelism that spread a message, but without connecting that message to the community of people who gather weekly because they actually believe it.
2: Yeah, that's the difference between just evangelism, quote-unquote, and spiritual formation, like discipleship. Like, I I loved it. I thought that was maybe the best part of i mean everything else was good practically but that's such an important thing because i don't think that that framework is still has taken hold
1: exactly well and i think this is why like it's an interesting conversation for us to have because i think we want to first think about the nature of the church and since we're all church planting people we've kind of done some work to think about the nature of the church but what i'm mindful of is that listeners to this podcast who hear us talking about building porches, some of those people just want to go, cool, let's go do some more evangelism and not think about, yeah, What but what's the nature of the church? Let's start there. Mm-hmm. What should the church be and do? And then after we have that clear, how do we work on connecting the church to the world and to our non-Christian neighbors? And some of the more important work that needs to be done in our day and age is for churches to think better about what is the church in the first place? And for like, really well-minded, good parachurch people to think about what is the church and why do we need to connect people, not just to Jesus, but to the church. It's also interesting to think about the eighties and the nineties about a lot of that evangelism in a more neutral world. Yeah. And now we have much more of a hostile world. And so we can't just take the church for granted. Yeah. Well, and this is lesson Newbigin's whole thing. It's like in a post-Christian culture, the only way people are going to find the gospel credible is if they can see it lived out in real people. You know, you can proclaim it, and they're like, "Okay, that's interesting." But they need to see. Show me somebody who can actually forgive. Show me somebody who can actually like love someone who's not like them. Show me a truly diverse community of people who actually seem to get along. Those are the things that actually begin to make the gospel compelling. So, Newbegin's whole thing was, unless people can see that lived out in the church, they're not probably going to believe the message just because somebody tells it to them. There's a There's a demonstrative aspect to what the church is. So, all right, so we're 12 minutes into this podcast, and what I've told you is, all right, we need to build porches, and one of those porches, Tim Keller thinks, is hospitality. And I think that's an interesting place to start, to just ask, how is the practice of hospitality, how can the practice of hospitality be a front porch into the church, and, and how can it move the people of the church out into the world? And I, I just, the reason I like this one again is because it's very, it can be very personal. It can be very big picture. But I think it's interesting to just think about what if, what if we ask the question, how can the practice of hospitality just begin to connect church and world together? The first thing that needs to happen for that to be a reality is I got to know some (laughs) (laughs) non-Christians. Yes. To invite to a party. And that's my problem. Like my problem with most of the talk in the church is like, you know what? I can tell that the people talking don't actually know any Mm non-Christians. And so they're just hypothesizing about things we could do. And I'm when I'm like, who are you going to bring to that thing? (laughs) If I have a barbecue, who are you bringing? That's not a Christian. And the answer is, I don't know. My buddy who's looking for a church. Yeah. I don't know. A guy that moved here from Milwaukee who was part of another church. Right. (laughs) So I really think the first move here is how do we live lives that intersect regularly with people who are not Christians, people who don't believe like us, who don't see the world the way that we do, unless that's there. We can talk about hospitality all day, but it's just going to be an exercise.
0: The first thing that came to my mind when when you brought up hospitality is how usually the first thing I'm a little bit more fearful to do is to move towards non-Christians because I just get worried that it's going to turn into a hostile situation or that they're going to like sniff me out and be like, Oh no, you're kind of weird. You're, Oh, you're a Christian. I see what you're doing there. or I don't know. I feel like they can see right through me, but I know that's not always the case. And
1: I think a lot of people feel the way you feel though.
0: But I also want to fight against this, uh, you know, like that, what I'm doing in my head right now, which is like, it's us versus them and having that kind of like play out in my head. I don't want to look at non-Christians like that, but yeah, I just want, I guess I want hospitality to flow from me more freely. And yeah, I don't know. I'm a little bit more fearful of it.
1: Yeah. I actually have a small front porch on my house. Um, part of the reason I bought the house is cause I really like this little, there's just a little spot on the front where you can sit in two chairs and there's a little table in the middle. And so it's just like, I'm just really looking out at my street and lots of people walk their dogs on my street and you know, people are out. And so I've found that like actually probably for a decent portion of time, most mornings and a decent portion of time, most evenings, I'm just sitting out there drinking a cup of coffee or maybe drinking a beer in the evenings and just like enjoying the weather. And it's amazing to me how many of my neighbors I just talk to because they walk by and they look up and they see you and then they have to say something because it's really awkward if they just look up and then like act like you don't exist. And so they, you know, they'll just say, hey, how's it going or something like that. But what's fascinating is it really has connected me in a you know very simple way to a bunch of people who live on my street mm-hmm. that I wouldn't. You know, I haven't had them over for dinner and, Mm -hmm. you know, we haven't done any like dramatic hospitality, but I know their names. They know my name. We know each other's dogs. I know I might know a little bit about where they work and things like that. And so it's interesting to me that even this metaphor that we're using, like in my life has actually become a pretty interesting connection point for some neighbors that I know probably aren't Christians and probably don't know that I'm a Christian yet, but just sitting on my front porch has opened up some conversations. In light of hospitality, I like what he says about celebrating and how Christians should be the best at hosting parties and celebrating. That can be celebrating another Christian, but inviting non-Christians into that. And then he says that the secular Westerners celebrate the joys of other people. And when they do, they're unwittingly drawing and borrowing Christian capital. Yeah. So they're they're borrowing a Christian virtue, essentially. Yeah. That's really interesting. And I just think that's true. And that's definitely true of the people in our church. We need to be celebrating more because when you're an intentional kind of get it right kind of person, you're not always celebrating. And so we got to, we got to make more space for celebrating.
2: Yeah. He is emphasizing the experience of hospitality. It's like, I can invite people over and and you, we've all been that someone invited you over and you're over there and it's like, uh, why am I here? No one's <laughs> talking to me. It's almost this, It it works against what it's meant to be. And so what? James Eglinton is emphasizing here is, and as well as Keller, that there should be a certain way that the secular world experiences our hospitality. There's a joyfulness, there's a camaraderie, there's a warmth, a friendliness that is attractive, especially in light of as he points out in the article, the just the fact that they're, it, we're just such a divided culture and people are so competitive with one another and there's such an us against them mentality to, for them to be around people who just genuinely like each other, care. Care about each other, love each other. There's a warmth, a joy. That's that's important. So
1: my gospel community a few weeks ago was having a little cookout, whatever. And it was at someone else's house, and they were like, hey, feel free to invite people you might know that want to be there, you know, that we don't that we're not connected to. So I reached out to this guy that's a non a non Christian that I know and was just like, hey, some folks are getting together and uh thought you might want to come hang out with us. And he came. He was like, Yeah, I'd love to come. So he came and we sat on the back porch and talked for a couple hours and he is a total pagan, like not, not a Christian, not asking any questions about the gospel, like definitely a non-believer and sort of like vocal about it, but really interesting to talk to, actually likes engaging with people who have a different worldview than him and totally a good conversationalist. And so to your point, Bethany, it was really enjoyable to me to realize like, I, this is a totally different kind of conversation. Like... This guy doesn't share my worldview. Um, He probably thinks my worldview is a little weird. I think his worldview is a little weird. He's like into pantheism and like kind of Indian meditation and stuff like that. So I'm just like, yeah, that's, you know, that's not my (laughs) world. But there was a really deeply human sort of interface and interaction that was really life-giving. When I think about sort of moving, so moving from like individual hospitality to a hospitality like that, that's a gospel community, just saying, come join us, you know, bring people within the orbit of our little community of people. How does a church build a front porch? How does a church as a whole practice hospitality? When I think about that for our church, but specifically, and maybe you have different thoughts about this, Chris, but like, I think our baptisms are kind of like this, you know, it's like when we did a Holy Saturday baptism, you know, there's 500 people in our church building and probably half of them are like, they don't go to church here. They're friends and family members. And you know, somebody, somebody invited them. And so it's just like, we're kind of practicing, it's kind of a front porch to say, hey, whatever you think about Jesus, these people are getting baptized and they're entering into the Christian faith. And so welcome, we're glad you're here. And it, it's amazing to me how often that leads to somebody came back to church the following day or somebody shows up a month later and says, yeah, I was at the baptism a month ago. And so it really does create some more meaningful connection. The other thing I'm thinking of is our connection dinners, you know, that we just, it's literally just a, hey, we're having dinner at somebody's house, come join us. Every time we do a connection dinner, which is every couple of months, there's Christians and non-Christians in the room, there's people that are brand new to hanging around our church. And it really it really does feel like this we're trying to build a front porch that says maybe you're interested in Jesus or maybe you're just hanging around the margins of this church, but let us build a space where you can just be and where okay. we can interact relationally and kind of get to know you and there's no agenda here we're not trying to get you to like sign on the dotted line for Jesus but we are trying to treat you as a human being and help you understand who are we and what are we about and what would it mean for you to just you know enter in in a meaningful way to this church and to the people who make it up I'm feeling challenged right now that especially with summer I should be a little bit more intentional about my porches or even my decks <laughs> or patios <laughs> your
2: patios. Uh, for First City, certainly this similar way. I mean, gospel communities, but but not necessarily just the gospel community in the sense of we get together and have the conversation gospel community, but just the the community of the gospel community getting together in various ways, uh, having those gatherings that are just, hey, come over, eat, hang out. Um, we do think summertime and we do uh, some deals or just a gospel community will organize a get together for the church uh, in a park in the city. And it's just, hey, invite people And, uh, that, that brings a number of people from just the community, people in the neighborhood to come and like, Hey, there's free food. Your kids can hang out with other kids, you know? So, uh, just creating those spaces where, uh, there, again, there's a, there's a sense of warmth and welcome, uh, and friendliness, uh, without this like high bar of entry, uh, for people into that experience of community.
1: If you are a listener, I want to challenge you in two ways. One, if you lead a church or you have a, a role in sort of helping to shape the life of a church what is your church doing to create porches? And then if you're just an individual Christian, what are you doing in your life to create relational interaction with non-Christians, to create porches where maybe it would lead to someone coming to church with you over time, but at the very least it would lead to a meaningful conversation about life? Those questions, I think, are the questions. And though Tim Keller and James Eglinton are using this metaphor of porches to get, cause they're thinking in terms of like, how can the church do this better as a whole? I'm trying to take that metaphor and say, I think each of us needs to think about this. And I think it is the question for the church, because if you think about, so I was thinking recently about just a Sunday morning at Coramdale, you know, all right, cool. We use liturgy, you know, we're going to profess the apostle's creed. We're going to sing some songs. We're going to preach a sermon from the Bible there's a certain portion of our city that would find that pretty normal because they grew up in a religious environment or, you know, they've been around church enough to know like, okay, I know what goes on there when I go there. But I also know a huge portion of our city that's just like, I have no idea what goes on inside (laughs) that building. And if I were to go there, I would not, like I would feel like a complete outsider. And so I'm mindful that if we're not careful, we can only reach the first set of those people the people who kind of have some familiarity with what church would mean in order to reach the people who are like, man, I don't know what goes on in that building. And I don't even know if I, I don't even know if I want to hang out with those people. They're not coming to church. They might come to the porch. They might come to Bethany Allen's patio and hang out in the backyard. Or they might come to my gospel community cookout, but they're, you know, they're not going to come to a church service I mean, even the guy that I was just telling you about, you know, my con, I was, you know, he knows I'm a pastor. So I'm just like, hey, man, you're welcome at church anytime. And he's just like, yeah, I'm probably not coming. Because you know, he's just like, <laughs> yeah. that's, I'm just not, I'm not into Jesus. I'm not into the Bible. I'm not into Christianity. It's not my thing. So unless I have a porch, there's no way for me to connect with a guy like that and see God by grace move him any closer to encountering the gospel. And so as we are more and more post-Christian, and as the structures of Christendom that sort of used to provide that forecourt into the church are less and less there, the church is going to have to be intentional about figuring out how do we create porches, places where people can just encounter Christians in a, in a way that's not a worship service, but that might lead into the life of a church, might lead to a worship service, might lead to a gospel community. And I just think there's, I'd love to see our listeners just get creative about like, all right, cool. Let's build some porches, man. What's that going to look like? Is it a a dinner party? Is it a book group? Is it a, you know, connecting uh, in some way with the local dog park, you know, community? What, like who, 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 you know, what, what are the ways that we can just begin to think creatively about building porches that can connect people to the church given time and given space? the other two that he mentions and you mentioned forgiveness is an interesting one dusty so hospitality apologetics and forgiveness and i think you're you're right to point out that keller's last published book was called forgive and i think he really does see forgiveness as a unique category that christians uniquely have purchase with in our society because everybody knows they should forgive and yet struggles to actually forgive because forgiveness is not quite as natural to us as revenge or grudge holding. And so when people ask, man, how do I forgive someone who's wronged to me? Well, the church has an answer to that question. And that in itself, the question of how can I forgive can be a porch to your, to your world, Dusty, even like care and counseling, biblical counseling can be a porch to the church because we're just trying to engage the fact that people around us are hurting and broken and need help sorting through things that have happened in life. How can that become a forecourt that might lead them into a meaningful encounter with the church? That's not an uncommon story for me to meet somebody here, get some help here. And then you know what? These are the people I think I need to be around. So I'm going to, I'm going to check this thing out on a Sunday. I'm going to dip my toe in the water a little bit more. You mentioned the dog park thing. That's definitely true. There are multiple people connected at our church because they met at a dog park. Yeah, that's a real story. Or the dog bar? No, No, the dog park. park, We don't go to the bar. Yeah, we don't go to the dog bar yet. I haven't been yet. People keep telling me I got to go and I'm just, I haven't gone. (laughs) You can't get a table because Chris and Mindy are already there. (laughs) (laughs) With our two dogs now. Like people got connected to our church and then more people got connected to our church through the dog park. At first time, I was kind of like, that's funny. And then it's just like, it's a pattern.
2: That's there you go. It's a porch. There's the porch right it's there. It's a porch. Dog park. Uh similar to what we were talking about earlier, with just the sense of hospitality being a different experience for people in the culture. I think forgiveness is another example here of in a society increasingly shaped by cancel culture and sort of flexes of power and assertion of self. And forgiveness is so countercultural and that even even if people won't necessarily consciously acknowledge it, just, you know that subconscious like sense of like I need forgiveness, the experience of forgiveness. If the church has a rich, robust culture of that, it's it's going to draw, it's going to connect. Even if people don't necessarily have the language yet, it, it's going to create some inroads.
1: To go back to where we started this podcast, here's what I've noticed: when I drive through a neighborhood, like I'll say I'm in a new city, I was driving through some city, I do not remember where it was uh a few months ago just driving down a random street full of houses just being like man where would i want to live if i lived in this neighborhood you know and you're like looking at houses you know what the ones that always get my attention are like the ones with a big front porch because they're just like man that looks so inviting like you just hang out out there and you know drink a beverage and have some neighbors over like it just feels like i'm never like drawn to the the house that's like there's no space out front to to engage with anyone it's like the old Arts and crafts bungalows that have like mm-hmm. the big front porch. You're just like, that looks awesome. And so, what's interesting to me is if I if there's something intuitive in my soul that says if I'm walking through a neighborhood, a house with a front porch just feels inviting in a way that says I might go sit on that front porch and talk to whoever lives there because it's not scary. It's just the porch, you know. It's still I can still yell <laughs> if I yell for help if I need to, or run <laughs> off the porch if a, you know if I don't like it. And that's what I think. Needs to be created in a post-Christian society is a for the church to have that kind of presence where it's like, man, I might, I'm not sure if I want to go into that house, but you know what, that porch looks cool. I'd go hang out there, and you know, it seems inviting. Um, so I think we can overthink this. I'm not trying to um, imply that, you know, man, porches are going to, you know, go build a porch or else we're never going to reach anyone, because the article points out, man, it's still the new birth, it's still regeneration, it's still conversion that's necessary. But what I think this this article raised for me is that to to go back to that Kuiper point, the reality that Christendom society did serve as kind of a forecourt to lead people toward the church. And we just don't have that anymore. And so how can we think more creatively and intentionally about what does it mean for the church to create porches and forecourts that begin to be spaces where people can begin to encounter the church and its people. Um, This is, in a sense, just another way of talking about missional living or about living on mission or living out in society around us. But I think the metaphor of building porches is helpful to think both for my own life, for my gospel community, for a church as a whole. How can we build some porches to engage the post-Christian world?
0: The goal of this podcast is to equip our own church for discipleship and mission. So if you're a Christian or a church leader in another context, we thank you for listening and pray that this conversation might be helpful to you as you minister in your context. We love to hear from listeners. So if you have thoughts, questions, or future podcast topics, send an email to podcast at cdomaha.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next Wednesday for another episode of the Wednesday Conversation.